Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Shout out. Yeah, I'm putting some italics on his name, apparently. Consider yourself shouted out. Shouted out by none other than Ben Bolin and Mr. Noel Brown. Tis I. Noel, how we doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. We just had a marathon on uh, weird-sounding diseases. <laughs> we had a long episode about diseases wherein we occasionally mentioned diseases. We did occasionally. We, and then, man, think of the things people learned from that, about the California raisins. If you weren't of a certain era, generation, that might have passed you by entirely. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. The internet. History is always closer than it appears in the rearview yeah. mirror, which is why— Like it, that dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Yes. Like, uh— this this is why uh, we're going somewhere with this, because you may remember not too long ago, folks, we explored a history of scientists who were horrifically persecuted for daring to make the world a slightly better place. Dare to dream. Dare to dream, and the authorities will burn you at the stake, is what we learned. You know the musical Pippin? Uh, no. What's, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why does it sound? Oh, I'm thinking like Pippi Longstocking. Pippi Longstocking. Pippin, doesn't it have like a song about like the, Im- the impossible dream or something like that? Oh, is that where the imp- dream, the impossible dream comes from? I think it is. No, it's Corner of the Sky. Corner impossible the sky. dream, something else. Unrelated to any of this stuff. What are we talking about today, Ben? Today, we are continuing part two of scientists who were persecuted. And heads up, folks, we're getting into some kind of disturbing stuff. Uh, One of the most famously persecuted scientists, Alan Turing. Mm -hmm. Alan Turing 
was he's a little different from some of our part one folks because he was not persecuted like you know the way Galileo was persecuted for figuring out parts of astronomy. He wasn't persecuted for what he studied nor his areas of expertise, but for his very identity, who he was. Alan Turing uh, was uh, an, an Englishman uh, born June 23rd of 1912 in uh, London Town, England, uh, UK. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he was a British mathematician uh, and logician, which is not the same as being a magician, but it's, <laughs> it's magic in its own way. He probably sure. could tell you how magnets worked. Yeah. Um, uh, he made serious contributions to things like mathematics, logic, philosophy, which I always think is an interesting kissing cousin to science, right? Uh, mathematical biology? What? Who even knew that was a thing? <laughs> that sounds way too complicated for me. I mean, is that does that mean there's also biological math? I think it must mean that. It has to mean that. And also crypto cryptanalysis. So he was really into like code breaking and like stuff like that, right? Yes, that was yeah. uh, that was a big part of uh, his relationship with history, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he was the child of a civil servant and he was fortunate enough to attend a top private school. He studied mathematics in Cambridge in 1931. He graduated in 34 and as soon as he got out of Cambridge, he snagged a fellowship at King's College, and this was all based on his uh, top-notch research in things like probability theory. He wrote some uh, breakthrough papers, uh, breakthrough papers for the boffins, for the people who are better at math than we are. <laughs> the eggheads. Yeah. The pencil neck geeks. The title of one of his, his banging papers is Uncomputable Numbers with an Application to the Unscheidungsproblem. That was good. Yeah. And, and, and Scheidungsproblem. Thank you. And Scheidungsproblem. There what, we go. What does that mean? Uh, decision problem. Oh. Leave it to the Germans to make something as innocuous as that sound like I being bludgeoned. It. I you know? love the it, way it's, it's fantastic. that language just agglomerates everything into one word, you know? So he gets recommended for publication based on this, uh, based on the strength of this paper. And other legends in the game are co-signing him left and right. Folks like the American mathematical logician Alonzo Church. Uh, and this stuff, as esoteric as it may sound, it has uh, some real importance for the emerging science that we will later call computing. So this guy is instrumental in the steps toward all the things that make it possible for us to have a podcast today. He moves to Princeton University in 1936. He's going to get his PhD in mathematical logic under the guidance of the dude who, you know, kind of tapped him in earlier. Now, he, despite being a a very, very smart person, like many other very smart people in the world, he had no idea that World War II was on the way. No, he certainly didn't, but it would alter the course of his life, along with the course of uh, history as we know it. And he personally played a huge hand in altering the course of that conflict and how it would pan out. Uh, I mentioned earlier that he was, you know, he really did contain multitudes. He contributed so much to like modern computing. And most importantly, he was a a super important part of cracking the Enigma code, which was something created by this massive computer system called the Enigma machine. Again, one of these kind of almost clockwork type uh, machines that took up an entire room, early computing. And it was a German cipher device um, that to this day is considered 
considered one of the most advanced cipher machines of all time. Exactly. Yeah. He goes back to King's College in 1938. And from there, he goes on to join the Government Code and Cipher School. Think of it like kind of like their NSA or something. Uh, And war breaks out with Germany in September 1939. He relocates to the wartime headquarters of the Code and Cipher School. And Uh, by the way, at Bletchley Park, Buckinghamshire, which is the most British sounding location that ever has existed. Exactly. And he helps develop this thing called the bomb, which is a a huge piece of technology that allied forces were using to decipher those German codes. This is back in the day when like the kind of computing power that we can now hold in the palm of our hand would would take up rooms, you know, these massive uh, punch card type computers, right? Right. And so this was kind of like a, in a way, it's a battle of mechanisms. It's like a robot battle in very early days because the Germans were using some kind of cipher machine, this Enigma machine to create this code that they just couldn't crack until Turing came along. By 1942, cryptanalysts at Bletchley Park were getting 39 thousand different messages every month because the group text during wartime are just crazy. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And they were decoding these. Uh, The number kept rising. It got to 84,000 different messages per month. That's two messages every single minute, day and night. And that year, 1942, Turing figures out how to break like how to break this code. And to your point, Noel, in a very real way, uh, he, he may have turned the tide of the war. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. 
it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. That's right. So in 1945, after the war has ended, um, he gets recruited to the National Physical Laboratory, or the NPL, uh, in London um, to create, <laughs> it sounds almost redundant, doesn't it? Uh, but it, it isn't, because a lot of early computers were more mechanical, like you said, to create an electronic computer. Ah, an electronic computer, which sounds a bit redundant mm-hmm, today, mm-hmm. like ATM machine or VIN number. Uh, but it was a new thing. It was a hot, new, cool thing. And Cause, because the early ones, like you said, were were mechanisms. They were right. almost like clockwork. Punch more, yeah. cards, mm-hmm. tubes. Gears, tubes, all yeah. of that stuff, yeah. I feel like... Maybe not even tubes as much. I mean, because tubes is more of electrical. I, I, oh, almost, think, I almost think they were like almost like... Like like automata, like wind up. No one's doing things. a hand yeah, crank thing. Yeah. And now I'm trying to change to a different one. <laughs> We're an audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the problem is, in you know, this is a, a very comf- competitive space. Oh at yeah, this point. it's like a space race kind of situation. It's exactly mm-hmm. like a space race situation. So the National Physical Laboratory, the NPL, they lose this race to build the first working electronic digital computer that has a stored program. Luckily, they're beaten by some allies, by some friendly fire. The people who do get across the finish line first are the Royal Society Computing Machine Laboratory in Manchester. So not too bad. No, exactly. That's nothing to say of the rivalry between their uh, related football clubs. Oh, yeah. No, totally different. Bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, uh, so Turing is feeling kind of down. He's like, MPL is is delaying us. I, we're moving so slow, you guys. So he gets a gig as the deputy director of the computing machine laboratory in that year. Funny note here, there is no actual director. Hmm. There's no way at the top. Yeah. I don't, then why, <laughs> that seems like, you know, it's like sort of like these these knobs go to 11. You know, why exactly. not just make 10, one louder? Yeah. You know, is, yeah, is, yeah. is the deputy director, if there's no actual director, isn't he just the director? Shh. Sorry. They Sorry. were very into secrets at this time. I know. It's yeah. true. Well, they were, they were dealing with code breaking and the like. He arrived in Manchester and started con- making some pretty significant uh, contributions to the development of this technology using a system that he designed um, called an input-output system. Yeah, exactly. And this is incredibly important stuff. We're not going to get too, too in the weeds here. we don't understand any of it. Right, we're being, just to be honest with you. And, uh, but we are going to establish this. He is recognized as one of the, you could call them founding fathers of artificial intelligence, modern cognitive scientist, uh, science, and he was um, one of the early popularizers of the theory that the human brain is its own kind of digital computing machine. Oh, it works. Biological math. 
Oh, there we go. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm a bit of a synthesizer nerd. Mm-hmm. I may have mentioned a time or two, and I've recently started diving into the very money pit-ish world of modular synthesizers. And um, there is a very popular type of module called uh, a Turing, Turing machine. And what it does is it generates random uh, voltage that can create what's called generative music. Cool. So it's a very, it basically allows you to set the terms for a system that then kind of creates random notes and, and rhythms based on sort of whatever conditions you set. Um, so very much this kind of early thinking around technology and logic, very much still at play today, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the world of, you know, uh, music production and AI of, like you said, I mean, it's obviously very much, uh, he's the the, the, the th- it's more of like he is the philosophical father of a lot of this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he, he was kicking these ideas that sound almost metaphysical. He's saying, when a human is born, their cortex is an unorganized machine. Cool. And we can train it into a universal machine. And then just to be safe, he said, or something like it. Yeah, know, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, what do I know? No worries uh, potatoes, if not. Yeah. Anyway. No, but it is cool. That is a very forward-thinking uh, way of looking at it. He seems like a good hang. He really did. He does seem like a good hang. Was he a secret drunk or something? Did he have problematic <laughs> elements to his uh, personality? Uh, the British government thought so. Ah, I see. Yeah. I see we're getting to the persecution I, I don't bit. think they, I don't know if they had secret drunks back then. They were just, everyone was just Like, drunk, look at openly. Churchill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Turing is perhaps most famous in pop culture for uh, proposing the idea of the Turing test. It's Oh, for is that for t- seeing if something's a robot or, uh, yeah, or an android? The, yeah, criteria for determining whether like a quote-unquote artificial intelligence is actually yeah. thinking. I, I think probably, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the stuff in Blade Runner where they're kind of asking questions to see if someone's a replicant or not. The turtle is on its back. Right. We're it's, not it's, helping it. It's sort of based around this kind of test, right? It's definitely inspired mm-hmm. by that. Philip K. Dick was not working in vacuum. And, you know, recently when large language models, most famously CHAP GPT, came out into the, into the world, uh, people started talking Again, there was a renaissance in in the discourse about whether or not the Turing test had been met. Uh, And he would have been amazing on Twitter right now. Probably so. The hot (laughs) takes would be a flowing. The hot takes would be a flowing. Can you imagine what other weird metaphors and philosophical stuff he would have had to say in 2023? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, this guy was definitely a coiner, you know? Yeah. In terms of like, yeah. you know, I mean, he created whole concepts that he was, it, you know, it was like he didn't, it was one of those things, much like often happens in science fiction, where somebody has the the forethought, foresight, and the intelligence, the intellect to sort of literally see the future, even though no such technology exists yet. They're describing a thing that then ultimately over time, all of the pieces come together. That's what Turing did. I think that's an apt comparison, man. And I, I love how you set up that... Look, this is not about, this episode is not just inventors we like. It's inventors who are persecuted. And you said, hey, there might be a darker side to this thing. In March of 1952, Alan Turing is convicted of a crime called gross indecency. That is a euphemism for homosexuality, which was an egregious crime in the country at that time. And his sentence is beyond cruel and unusual. Uh, He was sentenced to a full year of hormone therapy. Oh, God. 
And that is a euphemism. That's for worse than pray the gay away. That's so like barbaric, you know. So when you say when you say it's a euphemism, what for like lobo- being lobotomized or something? Kind of, yeah. Lobotom- chemical castration. What are we talking exactly. about? Exactly. No way. Yeah, they Ugh. they just shot them up with uh, synthetic estrogen injections, and eventually these will make you impotent. While also, of course, I can only imagine wreaking havoc on the your body in other ways. Why do they hate him so much? He'd done so much for the country. Why would they seek him out? Because a lot of times what we see in these cases of persecution is that that someone's speaking truth to power or they're saying something that's politically uh, divisive and then they're targeted uh, because they're, 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 they want to shut them down because they're dangerous. That doesn't quite seem like what's happening here. He had nothing but bona fides and, you know, like he's basically a war hero. Why, why are they doing this to the guy? <sighs> Yeah, I, I guess because they're Horrible, hateful, homophobic, awful. and yeah. also I think I I think a lot of accusations are confessions. So you know, just like how accuse the other of that which you yourself are guilty of, right? Like look at how many, and I'll say it not to get too political, but look at how many right, very far right politicians across the world make, uh, you know, uh, make these statements, these barnstorming speeches about you know, family values and things like that. And later it turns out that they were grooming oh, people. Oh, yeah. Or, or closeted. Or you closeted. Know, gay. Whatever. Jerry, Jerry Falwell Jr.? Is that the guy? Mm-hmm. Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. I mean, one of many. One Dude, of many. Lindsey Graham. I mean, it's it's not confirmed. I mean, it's it pretty much is confirmed. The guy is a regular visitor of, of male sex workers. Old ladybug. Yeah, they call him... Something like that. It wasn't quite that. They call, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Lady, like Lady Godiva. It's like something like that. Some kind know? of weird code name. Lady G, I think is maybe oh, what okay. it is. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Turing is persecuted, again, not for his world-changing work, but because they have decided his very identity is a crime. And so there's another kick in the pants here. Now he's got a criminal record. So he can never work for the British government's code-breaking center, which is crazy because he's literally the best guy for the job. Like, throughout the world, he's the number one guy for the job, and the government refuses because they're saying, mm mm tut, tut. Why would they? This seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot, you know? It's like making uh, hackers take drug tests, you know right, what I mean? Right. Which they've done away with in terms of the CIA and like the ability to hire stuff because they realized this is this is stupid where we're like literally narrowing the pool of of, uh, of capable individuals who can do this work for us. But you're right. At this point, that hate trumps all else. Yep. Because if anyone yeah. was going to get a pass, it's this guy. Again, war hero. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And so... He has a he has a very abbreviated career after this. He returns to Manchester. How old is he around this time? So he's like 40. Jeez, that's how old I am. He's like uh, 40 or 41, maybe just about to turn 41. And it's amazing how much he'd accomplished already, though, by that by this point, you know? Absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So here we are in the early 1950s. He has been working on what we would now call artificial life. He publishes a paper called The Chemical Basis of Morphogenesis, and it's looking at form and pattern in nature and living organisms. And then he starts working on more um, 
more stuff that's like at the edge of what we would call biotech mm -hmm. for his time, comparing the natural world to created mechanisms. Such a versatile mind, this guy. Yeah. Um, he used uh, Manchester's uh, Ferranti uh, Mark I computer to create very as as elaborate as the technology of the time would allow uh models of, mm -hmm. of these hypotheses that he had about chemical mechanisms uh, for the generation of anatomical structure in animals and plants but um this is when the story takes a really 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 sad turn um because he is uh just a year later in 1954 found dead in his bed from apparent cyanide poisoning yeah. And it is ruled a suicide, but seems sketch to me, dude. There was no motive established in the investigation because at least they had an investigation into the death. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, 
Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Right now, a lot of historians will tell you that his demise should be attributed to the hormone treatment he received at the at the hands of the British government after he was found guilty, basically, of being a gay man. And, well, I guess I shouldn't say it. most historians. His, historians will often say this, but if you look at the timeline, he survived that year of hormone doses. He died more than a year after the that dose sentence had ended. And uh, he had the thing where a lot of, you see this, unfortunately, often if people commit suicide, he had the thing where people might not believe it. And one of his friends said, you know, he seemed fine. He had mm-hmm. an, uh, an amused fortitude. That's a good one. Yeah, Peter Hilton yeah. Uh, is, how, is, is his friend who described his attitude about the treatment like that. And he has, you know, in in many ways become a sad sort of uh, case study on this kind of persecution around whether gender identity or or sexuality or whatever it might be. He really is sort of like a a lesson learned, I guess, or Mm -hmm. a, a case to point to of how what we're talking about, we're so mystified by this. Like, how would they, how could they shoot themselves in the foot like that? Like this guy who obviously literally turned the war in in favor of of his country. Mm-hmm. How could they just throw him out like a piece of garbage like that? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's also, you know, there's something kind of torn about because it, the story of his persecution and the prosecution against him for for being gay, uh, it grew over time. And by the early 21st century or so, it was something everybody knew about and everybody admitted it was super messed up. In 2009, the prime minister at the time, Gordon Brown, spoke up officially on behalf of the British government publicly apologized for the utterly unfair treatment of Turing. And then better late than never, I guess. Yeah, get this. This is so weird. Four years after that, Queen Elizabeth gave him a posthumous royal pardon. Symbolic, I suppose. I guess, but I mean does that help? No, but what maybe does help is that for a long time his legacy was sort of buried. You know, I don't think it was until the '90s because of classified type stuff uh, that it was even understood to what degree he was responsible for turning that tide of war. You know, in favor of uh, of the Allies. Yeah, and I kind of want to jump in here just to kind of point out Queen Elizabeth was the queen when this all happened. I was going to ask. I I thought that was probably the case. I wanted to check because I'm like, this has to be probably No, I was thinking the same thing. And so maybe that is a little bit, again, symbolic. It's sort of like her apologizing as well. But that's just sort of, what's the word? Too little, too late. Way too little, way too late. Yeah. But again, his, his legacy is now 
really uh, established, you mm-hmm. know, and when in the 90s, you know, when it was made clear how important he was in that effort. And um, now he's, he's, he's a legend, you know, which mm-hmm. I guess is something, you know, legacy is important, I guess. I don't know that he would have cared. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I don't think he would have cared. I, re- I genuinely don't think he would have cared. But that, because that's like, like his area. He's a doer, man. You know right. what I mean? Like that's, he doesn't, I don't think he was focused on legacy. Don't know. Did he have kids to speak of uh, or family? Mm-hmm. I didn't think so. No, kids, I didn't but... think so. And uh, if you want to read more about the sort of updated legacy that we're talking about here, um, there is a really good article in the New York Times by Alan Cowell called Overlooked No More, Alan Turing, Condemned Codebreaker and Computer Visionary. Um, Highly recommend that. And this is what he had to say, kind of summing up everything we've been talking about. To this day, Turing is recognized in his own country and among a broad society of scientists as a pillar of achievement who had fused brilliance and eccentricity, moved comfortably in the abstruse realms of mathematics and cryptography, but awkwardly in social settings and had been brought low by the hostile society into which he was born. And uh, there's a quote here uh, from John Graham Cumming, who's a computer scientist um, who campaigned for Turing to be pardoned. This didn't happen in a vacuum either, this whole pardoning thing. Uh, he was a national treasure, and we hounded him to his death. And it's true, you know, and we're going to, you know, we're going to keep this one uh, a little bit shorter. There are so many scientists that we weren't able to get to. We do hope history remembers them. Shout out to people like Henry Oldenburg. This is a real story. Uh, he founded the Royal Society in London, and he wanted to publish a lot of scientific papers. So he had to write to all these people living across Europe. He had a lot of correspondence, and he wrote and received so many letters that the government decided he was a spy, and they arrested him and locked him in the Tower of London because of his pen palery. Oh, wow. Yeah, I also did a little research into the guy, and he was kind of footing the bill for all that, too. To make it even worse, this dude's footing the bill to start basically the first medical publication and uh, the English government is like, spy! Oh, yeah. Like, hey, nobody really likes mailing things or something. They (laughs) thought they got them. But, you know, with this, I think what we have to remember is a lot of times society can be its own enemy. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. All this, the way they persecuted the Turing, it, it could have potentially robbed them of of his genius. You know, uh, the fact that this uh, criminal record made it where he could no longer work for the government, which is who he did the most benefit towards society, right? It's which like, almost sounds conspiratorial. It does. Like, they, they, I keep going back to it. It's literally the one guy who's best for the job in the world and someone in the Found British government, yeah, like finds a reason. And I want to shout out a really cool graphic novel series um, that I've been enjoying. And I hope picks back up called Uber. And Alan Turing is a character in this graphic novel series. I I don't want to ruin hmm. it, um, but I've got I got a copy. If you want to snag it, it's it, you know how it is when you like really like music, or you really like a story or a book, and you just you want your friends to see it or hear it or experience sure. it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm going through that, and hopefully uh, hopefully, we can inspire something similar in you, ridiculous historians. Not every scientist is persecuted, hopefully. Uh, and although scientists often work in realms that we 
candidly don't understand. The work they do is important and it matters to everyone. Magnets, am I right? So again, no, I'm letting no, it go. No, give, give it to us. No, no, no. I said it last time. And, it's okay. and poor, remind, the, remind the good people. Poor Alex and Max okay. have had to listen to that too often. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the juggalos of their time. Indeed. Um, I think this is, this is a good one. Uh, this, I think, that we, honestly, Turing, uh, he just deserved his due. I, I barely wanted to make this a listicle episode. And I think this is a topic that we can just continue to come yeah. back to as uh, sort of an ongoing series. Yeah, because unfortunately, history is rife and riddled with scientists who have been persecuted. Uh, we can't wait to hear your thoughts, folks. We are going to be returning soon with all sorts of strange and ridiculous stories, uh, not all of which will be downers, we promise. And, you know, in the new year, we might get the keys to our social media back for the show. Uh, it's been an ongoing struggle. An impossible dream, an, you could say. Oh, I would hope so. But in the meantime, we haven't said this in a while, uh, you can reach out to us as individuals if you wish. Uh, I am pretty exclusively on Instagram at HowNowNoelBrown. How about you, Ben? Where can the fine folks find you? In a stunning burst of creativity and modesty, I am on Instagram as at Ben Bolin. You nailed it, You got it. You got it. You were the first to market. <laughs> Sorry, other Bens. Mm -hmm. The covenant is broken. It's dog eat dog now. No, I'm kidding. Um, as Noel said, you can find us uh, individually on Instagram. We love hanging out. We love hearing from listeners. Uh, you are the most important part of the show. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Max, what if people want to find you, bro? Yeah, if they want to find me, uh, send Ben a message on Twitter and he can text it to me. And notice I didn't tell people my Twitter, at BimbleNHSW. What's Twitter? It's this, it was this really cool thing back in the day. What happened to it? Oh, story for another time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but thank you for that beautiful setup, Mr. Brown. Thank also, if you want to be nice to us, we maybe mentioned it in the previous episode, yeah. you can go on to iTunes uh, and, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review. Yeah. Uh, we might start doing a thing where we like read some if they're funny. Make them yeah. funny. We'll get we'll to them. When no puns left behind. Mm -mm. Okay, great. So thank you in advance for that. Thank you to our returning guest, Alex Zirka, who has been hanging out with us in the past few weeks. Uh, Alex, if I made the joke, Alex Zirka, what? Like Circa 1994? Huh? That's our cutoff. Yeah, that's when, yeah, that's the mid-90s is when we decided... Uh, when we decided things were modern times. Yeah. We might have to adjust that up a decade as yeah, this show think, Well, Oh, God, yeah. We've been really... Uh, may you live in uh, interesting times. Oh, jeez. Said the, the wise man to the idiot. Definitely haven't heard that one before. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? okay. <laughs> no, nice. you're, you're being sarcastic. We're, we're on a roll. Uh, so Alex has been hanging out uh, a few weeks here with us and uh, and has been graciously sitting through all kinds of beeps, all kinds of uh, all kinds of hiccups and so on, and, and probably hearing Max curse like like a sailor. This guy's got a foul mouth on him. He's invented dirty words. He really has. He's invented some of them. Pretty I know. impressive. I, know. I hear him and I'm like, that was Max. Alright, well, I guess we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.